If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. We've been doing a series entitled Unprecedented. Unprecedented. We're believing God to do things that are new, things that haven't been done before, uh, because God, as we, I said in my prayer, is a God of the now. Amen? God is a God who is active, who is moving. Uh, and so uh, we've been doing this series on uh, the unprecedented, and uh, God has given me a word for this morning. We uh, find ourselves here in Joshua 14, We'll begin reading at verse number 6. Joshua 14, verse 6. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions, but my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me on that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. The title of my message today, this fourth message in our unprecedented series, today's title is Taking Your Mountain. Taking Your Mountain. Now, mountains can signify different things in scripture. Uh, We we often uh, sing about or or talk about mountains in terms of being obstacles or, or problems in our way. We even sang this morning, you make mountains move. And certainly the Bible uses the, the imagery of a mountain in that way. But another uh, way that the Bible uses mountain is, is uh, uh, as a place of victory. In, in contrast to the valley, a place of difficulty or defeat, the mountain is also s- uh, s- symbolic of a place of victory, of, of, of conquering, of taking territory. And we have here the story of Caleb. I'm going to talk a little bit more about his background in a moment. But Caleb, who uh, 
what was wanting to take a mountain. I uh, want to refer to as my text, verse 12. Now the NIV says, uh, and, I, and I love the NIV, it says, give me this hill country. But I love what it says in good old King James. Give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. And so we see here a man of God who is saying, I want what's mine. I want what's been deeded to me. I want my inheritance. And I'm ready to take it. And I believe that is the mentality we need to have as believers in Jesus Christ in regard to spiritual things. You know, we live in a day and age when people are always talking about their rights and people are marching for rights and holding up placards and and for all sorts of uh, uh, issues on the right and the left and in between. And uh, sometimes, you know, in an earthly sense, we can be too focused on our rights. We know as servants of God, sometimes we surrender our rights. But when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to blessings and, and our inheritance in God, we need to have the mentality, give me my rights, give me what's mine. Lord, give me what you have deeded to me. Give me what, uh, what is my inheritance, amen? Amen, amen. Instead of settling for same old, same old. We're talking about unprecedented things. And so um, uh, in our message today, Taking Your Mountain, we want to answer the question in the next few minutes. How can you possess all that God has for you? I won't ask for a show of hands. How many, uh, if they were honest this morning, would say, you know, Pastor Tim, I'm living a bit short of what I believe God has for me. Probably a sense in which all of us could put our hands up. I want all that God has for me. And so that's what our focus is as we look at Caleb and uh, and his story of taking uh, his mountain. So in taking your mountain, how can you possess all that God has for you? The first way is by claiming God's promises. I think that's a great place to start, don't you? It may surprise you to find out Caleb was not an Israelite by birth. He was the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite. Genesis 36 reveals that Caleb was a descendant of Esau and therefore was born into a family that was an avowed enemy of Israel. If that was not bad enough, he had been given a name that no good Jew would ever have. The name Caleb in Hebrew means dog. Did you know that? Uh, in Semitic culture, dogs were considered unclean. Uh, and so, uh, however Caleb got the name he did, it wouldn't have endeared him to the people of Israel. But somewhere in Caleb's life, a great change took place. At some time, he had joined himself to Israel and embraced the one true God. Though he was a Gentile and an outcast, he became a child of the promises of God. That sound familiar? Hallelujah. In Hebrew culture, if you joined Israel, you were adopted into one of its tribes and your family name was added to their genealogy. It was though you had always been a part of God's family. First Chronicles reveals that Caleb was adopted into the tribe of Judah, the tribe of our Lord. Judah was the tribe uh, that one day Jesus Christ would emerge from. And because his heart was changed, Caleb became a man who trusted in the person and promises of God rather than man. That's why he says here in verse 6, you know what the Lord God promised me. 
What's he talking about here in verses 6 through 9? Well, you may remember the story back in Numbers 13. Uh, Moses, uh, who was leading Israel at the time, sent 12 spies. Israel had been wandering in the wilderness. He sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan, the promised land, to spy it out. And the 12 came back, and 10 of them gave a not-so-favorable report. Their focus was their giants in the land. Amen. That's the other two. <laughs> Caleb and Joshua said, however, the land is good. It's fruitful. It's flowing with milk and honey. And God will enable us to take the land. But because those ten spies had given a negative report, God decreed that everyone of that generation, except for Caleb and Joshua, would perish in the wilderness and would not enter the promised land. Joshua had now become the leader of Israel after Moses had passed, so he remained from that generation. And Caleb, who is now 85 years old. Sometimes we, we, we expect something from God and we want it like, you know, instant mashed potatoes or something. We want it yesterday. Can you imagine waiting 85 years for a promise from God? I mean, 45, excuse me, 45 years. But Caleb did. And they, they, uh, they had been taking over the land. And now at 85 years old, he reminds Joshua, you remember what was promised to me. And I want my promise. I want my promise fulfilled. Give me this mountain. Let me tell you something. No matter how long it takes, you can trust the promises of God. Amen. I love what 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is the guarantee and confirmation of God's promises. Amen. Romans says if, he, if, if he's given us his one and only son, how will he not freely give us all things? Hallelujah. I love what someone said, you can't break the promises of God by leaning on them. We are so used to man's approach to promises. We are so used to broken promises that we forget that when God issues a promise, he, uh, he wants you to, to believe in that promise. He wants you to latch on to that promise. Because every promise of Almighty God will be fulfilled. I love what James, Jim Symbola, the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, said. He said, faith deals with the invisible things of God. It refuses to be ruled by the physical senses. Faith is able to say, you can do what you like because I know God is going to take care of me. He has promised to bless me wherever he leads me. He said, remember that even when every demon in hell stands against us, the God of Abraham remains faithful to all his promises. Jesus Christ can do anything but fail by his own people who trust him. Hallelujah. Amen. How true that is. I heard a story about C.S. Lewis. He mentioned in his biography of the suffering he endured because he kept a promise he had made to a buddy in World War I. The friend was worried about the care of his wife and small daughter and uh, asked C.S. Lewis if he should be killed in battle if Lewis would take care of his family. As the war dragged on, the man was killed in battle. And true to his word, Lewis took care of his friend's family. But it became a real hardship because no matter how helpful he tried to be to this widow and her children, the woman was ungrateful, rude, arrogant, and domineering. She was no walk in the park. <laughs> 
But through it all, he kept forgiving her. He refused to let her actions become an excuse to renege on his promise, like probably most people would do. And that's a picture of our God, because sometimes we're rude and ungrateful, amen, and difficult, to say the least. But our God is faithful to keep his promises. Our God is faithful to keep his promises. Someone said there are over 8,000 promises of God in the, in the word of God, and he keeps every one of them. Some of them are, condition, are conditional. You must do this and I'll do that. Many are unconditional. God says, I and my sovereignty will do this and will do that. But you can trust in the promises of God. And in addition to the, the, the general promises God makes in his word, God will uh, speak promises to our spirits, amen? amen, about our lives, about our families. And God, there are many of you here today and watching online, God has spoken promises into your heart and life, but time has passed and, 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 and the memory of that promise has grown dim. And if it even comes to mind at all, you, you're hard-pressed to believe it because so much has happened. Let me tell you, if it was God that spoke it to you, no matter how long it takes, you can rest assured God will fulfill his promise in your life. I still have promises in my life that, 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 that God has made to me, I feel, about this church. Matter of fact, I got a word this morning that God says he's still going to fulfill those promises just this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we receive, amen, it's coming. Hallelujah. And so we receive all that God has for us when we first of all, when we uh, trust in the promises of Almighty God. You can trust his promises. What's the second way we receive all that God wants us to possess? We possess it by contending for God's provision. Now, Caleb said to Joshua, give me this mountain, it's my inheritance. And, and, and Joshua did so, but guess what? It didn't come gift wrapped with a nice little ribbon around it and a bow on it. Caleb was going to have to fight for it. Did you know that sometimes uh, things God gives us we have to fight for? There were three indications here that Caleb was ready to fight uh, at his advanced age, ready to fight for his promised inheritance. First of all, he had a sense of destiny. In verse 10 he says, God has kept me alive these 45 years. You know, Caleb wasn't oblivious to how many candles were on his birthday cake. But he said, I'm still alive. God's kept me alive because God made a promise to me. And doesn't matter how old I am, God's going to fulfill it. He had a sense of destiny. Amen. See, that's what a promise from God will do. If we hold on to it, if we believe it like we sang this morning. We love to sing about it, but if we really believe it, that's what a, a promise from God will do. It'll give you a sense of destiny. It'll give you a sense of inevitability. Hallelujah. God said it, I believe it, I'm going to hold on to it, and it's going to happen. Hallelujah. Amen. Second thing is he was still fit for battle. I mean, he had to be an amazing dude, right? 85 years old. Come on, let's strap on the battle gear. Let's get, let's get after it. I get tired just thinking about it. And I'm 20 years younger than he was. But man, he said, I'm ready for battle. I'm fit, let's go. Amen. The third thing is, verse 12, a 12, the beginning part of verse 12, says he knew the enemy very, very well. He knew what the battle would entail. He wasn't going into it blind. Sometimes we have to fight for uh, what God gives us. Back in, um, 
the early part of, uh, of, of, the, of the 20s, in, uh, in, in 20, uh, 2002, um, we were in, uh, we were in, our church was sharing space with another church. We had left our rented facility, some of you remember that, and for almost two years we were sharing with a, a wonderful church hereby, nearby, and uh, we were meeting on Saturday nights because the, the, the church who owned the building, of course, was meeting on Sunday, and we had a guest speaker come one, um, one Saturday night, a man that we were familiar with from our previous ministry, a, an Australian pastor and, uh, and uh, district leader from the Assemblies of God in Australia, Dr. David Cartledge. I believe he's gone to be with the Lord now, but he was in town to minister in a local church on, uh, on, on Sunday, and so we had the opportunity to have him come minister in our church on Saturday night. And uh, we were, of course, waiting for God to provide a building for us. And he uh, prophesied that God would provide a building for our homeless church at that time. He said, but you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to fight for it. And so we, we took that as a word from the Lord. And uh, eventually God opened up this wonderful facility for us. But we, we couldn't have imagined... The, the type of fight we would have. The, our, our district moved us in. This, the congregation had, had dwindled to a handful. There was no pastor. So we, we technically merged with that congregation. We came here. But, but the, the, there were some battles to fight. And not the kind you might think. Some of you were with us. Okay. A, a, uh, a drainage uh, pipe out here on Beulah Street had been crushed during construction. And so our our sewer lines would uh, periodically back up into the basement of the church. Some of you were here, remember that. And we had three congregations meeting here at the time. And uh, we, we tried and tried to get, you know, it, it was too big a job to go out in the street and tear up the road and fix it for a regular plumber and too small a job for a huge corporation. We tried for years to get it fixed and uh, we had to keep, we, 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 I don't, I don't want to be gross this morning, but we had to pump out the sewer ourselves and uh, we'd come out of Sunday morning service in the lobby and take a whiff and, okay, so we didn't get it pumped quick enough. We, you know, guys would be down, down there mopping up. It was terrible. And uh, we, we, uh, we, we spent a good bit of money. We thought we had it fixed and it wasn't fixed. We found out. We ended up spending over $120,000. And, uh, but but it, it got fixed. Now, that wasn't the kind of fight we, we imagined, you know when we moved and, and we were gifted this building. But it was a fight. It was a battle. And then we, we had to fight and we, we, we got this property uh, deeded to us in our name. That was a process, a legal process. And so there were, there were battles to fight. There were, there were utilities. We had to repair our, our air conditioning system. There were, there were a lot of things we had to do. We had to do remodeling. Uh, it, was, it was a fight of a different kind, but it was something we had to fight for. But you know what? It was worth it. Amen. It was worth it. Hallelujah. Another, another illustration, some of you know that I'm a, a bit of a Notre Dame football fan. Some might say fanatic. Uh, but uh, on the Notre Dame home TV broadcast, when they broadcast their football games, they take a segment and they highlight uh, the, um, uh, the scholarly achievements and global impact of Notre Dame's faculty, students, and alumni in areas such as education, renewable energy, water sustainability, fighting corruption, advances in medicine, a lot of ways that they impact uh, the world. And the segments, uh, when they show these, they always end with the question, 
Uh, their nickname is the Fighting Irish, of course. They end with the question, what would you fight for? And you know, I think that's an appropriate question for born-again Christians today. What would you fight for? What mountain is there uh, that's your inheritance that you haven't received yet? What is worth fighting for? The salvation of your family members? The healing of a body of a loved one? So, Pastor, how can I fight that? We can fight and travail in prayer. Amen? Amen. A ministry that God has called you to, what would you fight for? I believe there are things in the spiritual realm that are worth fighting for. But what happens? Sometimes we go to do something and we, have some, we hear a sermon or, 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 or read something. We have some excitement, some enthusiasm. We're going to do something for God. And then what happens? Opposition happens. Difficulty happens. Problems happen. Complications arise. Well, I guess I didn't hear from God. Let me tell you, the, the notion that because difficulties and problems and oppositions arise, that somehow, uh, necessarily, we have misheard the voice of God is a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. Didn't he say that? Yeah. But he also said, take heart, I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Caleb knew he had a battle ahead of him. He knew if he was to take the mountain that God had deeded to him, he was going to have to fight for it. And he said, I'm ready to fight. How do we fight? We fight on our knees. We fight in prayer. We travail in prayer. We seek God. We do things. Listen, I, I pastored this church now. We're going on 31 years. I've had a lot of things to deal with, and my wife's heard my groaning and complaining at times. Oh, we got to deal this, and we got to, you know, the, the, the uh, fire marshal came in and said we had to install a whole new fire alarm system last year. Boy, I was ticked. I'm called to preach. I'm not called to deal with stuff like that. Why do I have to deal with stuff like that? But it got taken care of. Because this is God's church. This is our mountain. And there are things worth fighting for. What would you fight for? What would you seek God for? What would you, would you be willing to battle for and put up with some battle scars and some confrontations and some opposition and some difficulty? Sometimes we have to contend for God's provision. What's the third thing we need to do to possess all that God has for us? It's to ha by, we can do it by having confidence in God's power. Having confidence in God's power. Caleb said here, um, he said uh, that in uh, verse number 12, he said, uh, you've heard yourself that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. I want you to notice something. God is sovereign and, and he, is, he, is, he is Lord and we're his servants. But yet, Caleb, Caleb understood something. He didn't say, God, uh, uh, you just wipe them out. No, he said, the Lord helping me. Did you know the Bible says God is our helper? He's our Lord and sovereign king, but he's our helper. And he said, God helping me, I will drive them out. 
And for some reason that I will never understand, and I've talked about this before, there are many, many areas in Scripture we can see this, where God in His sovereignty, for reasons I will never understand, partners with us if we will partner with Him. Amen. Did you know that? And we work with God, and God works with us. I don't understand it. But he chooses to partner with us. And Caleb had it just right. He said, God helping me, I will drive them out. He had no doubt that he was doing the Lord's business. Can I tell you something? When we are doing God's business, when we are ordering our lives according to the word of God, as we understand it, and when we are obeying the revealed word of God as he speaks to us, uh, we don't have to worry about whether or not we'll be successful. Amen. We'll, have a, we'll have a fight on our hands, but we will be successful. That's a guarantee. Amen. God helping me, I will drive them out. It was about the Lord's power, but we have to do it. Amen. Heard about the great preacher Charles Spurgeon, the greatest preacher of his generation. He once preached what he considered to be his poorest sermon. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> he stuttered and stammered and floundered his way through it. He went home embarrassed and determined to do better the next week. The next week he preached beautifully and uh, was highly complimented on his sermon. But you know what he found out? The sermon the week before, the, the one he was embarrassed about, 41 people came to Christ. In contrast, his masterpiece the next week, there's no record of anyone coming to Christ. And it was a vivid illustration to this great man of God that it wasn't about his oratory and his ability. We do our best, amen? But in the end, it's not about our ability, it's about his power. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. When I came to you, brothers, I didn't come with eloquence. This is the Apostle Paul now. Hear this. I came to you. I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear with much trembling. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul trembling while he's speaking? My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Hallelujah. It's not about our ability. It's about our obedience and, 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 and by which we tap into God's power. Hallelujah. We have confidence in God's power. Listen, uh, our world and our, our culture in this day and age, there are a lot of things we lose confidence in. We've lost confidence in government. We've lost confidence in the institutions uh, that, uh, that have been traditional in our nation and in our society. But there's one thing we dare not lose confidence in. It's the power of the living, sovereign, almighty God who reigns in heaven. Hallelujah. He is in control. He is all-powerful. Hallelujah. nothing you can't do hallelujah we asked the question at the beginning of this message how can you possess all that God has for you how many want what God has for you today Amen. don't put your hand up if you don't mean it Amen. don't put your hand up if you don't mean it Amen. do you want all that God 
has for you. How, how, how do you possess that? By, first of all, claiming God's promises. Amen. See, sometimes we're afraid to name it. What if it doesn't come true? What if it doesn't happen? See, that's doubt. That's fear. That's, 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 uh, that's timidity. If you have a promise in God's word or, or a biblical promise that God has spoken to your spirit about your life and your situation, you claim it. You name it. Like Caleb, you say, this is what God has promised. I don't care how much time goes by, how much water goes under the bridge. I don't care how many detours there are and U-turns there are and obstacles and problems. God said it. I'm going to hang on to it and I'm going to claim it. I'm going to name it. Hallelujah. Amen. By claiming God's promises. Secondly, uh, we possess God, what God has for us by contending for God's provision. We have to fight for it. We're not going to turn tail and run at the first sign of problems or opposition or difficulty. And thirdly, uh, we possess all that God has for us by having confidence in God's holy power. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something? He's never lost a battle yet. He's undefeated. Hallelujah. You know, the two teams playing the Super Bowl tonight, two great teams. Curtis is excited. He's representing this morning. One team, I don't know if it's his Eagles or the Chiefs, one team's going to get defeated tonight. And the other team's going to have the T-shirts and be pawing at the Vince Lombardi trophy. They're going to be the victors. Hallelujah. See, that's the way it goes in the NFL. The truth is, both the Chiefs and the Eagles have, you know, Christian fans, you know, and they're both praying right now for the team. Yeah. One has to win and one has to lose. But let me tell you, in the, in, in the spiritual realm, we're, we're on the winning side this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we need to say with Caleb, give me this mountain. What mountain is there that you've been afraid to name? What mountain is there for your family, for your life, for your career, for your health? for your finances, whatever it might be. I'm not talking about, I said this last week, I'm not talking about name it, claim it, you know, you claim, uh, you know, 10 room mansion and, you know, Rolls Royces and God's obligated. I'm not talking about that, You come on. But we're talking about what God has said, what God promises, what God has deeded to us. We can claim those promises and we can hang on to them and God will fulfill his word. Hallelujah. Coming, Glory Coming. to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 